Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 17, called The King That Carries Our Burdens. It's a double emphasis here from Matthew. He reached out. He's probably bowed down. Maybe his head is low to the ground and he touched him. And you can hear the Pharisees in the crowd and maybe the apostles, no, no, don't. Because you know what happens? If, if you're a normal person and you touch a leper, you're ceremonially unclean. They pass that uncleanness to you. And then you're supposed to go through this ritual to become clean again. But Jesus reached out and touched him. And notice our Lord. He said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I don't know if fingers grew back. I don't know how his face changed. I don't know how his voice Changed, but some of the movie makers have tried to capture, you know, these images of a leper, you know, messed up from the disease, and then all of a sudden, in a moment of time, he becomes whole again. And Jesus cleanses him. That's the language used for leprosy. It's not really couched as healing, it's, cl- it's couched as a cleansing. And leprosy has been described as an image or a picture of what sin does to us. Sin desensitizes us. To God's voice. We get harder and harder layers on our heart. Sin ultimately is deadly. It's going to kill us. This is why we are sick, why we live in a fallen world, because the wages of sin is death. This is why we get sick. This is why we die, because we sinned against God. We live, sadly, in a situation of a curse because we rebelled against our God, because we wanted to do it our way. And so people left and right were sick around Jesus and something that you just need to kind of put in your pocket for your theology of understanding healing is when Jesus is at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter five, he picks out a man and he heals him and he says to the man, do you want to be well? And the man says, yes, but I try to get into this pool and other people beat me there and and Jesus then heals the man on the Sabbath day. But it would appear that he left a bunch of other people by that pool unhealed. And I I bring it up to tell you that while we see these uh, kind of extravagant numbers that Jesus heals left and right and did a lot of healing in certain areas, there were times when he walked by people and he did not heal them. There were times when he left people unhealed. And I don't completely understand the why of that, why some people get healed and some people don't. Why I as a pastor could pray over someone sick and they recover and then I could pray over somebody else and they die. But once again, I go back to the words of the leper, if you are willing. And so Jesus stretches out his hand and he was obviously willing and he cleansed him. In Hebrews 9, 14, we just went through this on a Wednesday night Uh, The blood of Jesus cleanses your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And when Jesus touches you and heals you of your leprosy, in quotes, the leprosy of sin, he cleanses your conscience. He cleanses your heart. You know, one of the things we really have in our world that 
doctors will tell you is going on in terms of our mental stuff is that we have, oftentimes our conscience bothers us. And the Bible says that when you encounter Christ Jesus as Lord of your life, not only does he cleanse you of your sin, but he cleanses your conscience. He can relieve a guilty conscience. He can lift burdens from your life. He's the burden-bearing God. And so Jesus touches him. And we might wonder, well, did that guy's pollution come to Jesus? No, Jesus' cleanness came to him. And when Jesus went to the cross, here's how it worked. Yes, Jesus was treated on the cross as though he had committed our sins. He took the punishment that we deserve. God treated him as if he were guilty. But by virtue of his righteousness and his sacrificial death, his cleanness comes to us. And our dirtiness, if you will, went to him. But it doesn't stick with him because he's God and he's pure. And so it wasn't that the pollution came to Jesus, but his cleanness came to the leper. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one. <laughs> Don't you love when Jesus says that? Like, come on, really? I was a leper. I mean, you can imagine this guy wants to hug people left and right and be screaming and jumping up and down. woo Hug me, man. No more leprosy. Let me check. All right. Yeah. And Jesus says, now, I want you to go show yourself to the priest, present the offering that Moses commanded for a testimony to them. The them might be the priests. It could be that he'll be welcomed back into his community because he's gone through the ritual. If you're interested, if you really want to do your homework this week, the ritual is laid out in Leviticus 14. I know most of you spend all your devotional time in the book of Leviticus, right? But it's a very thorough process, including sacrifices and water and oil and cleansing. And it's an eight-day ceremony. And this guy would have to go from Galilee, the northern part of Israel, travel down to Jerusalem to the temple, spend days traveling, and then go through this ritual. And I'm sure the priest would be saying, well, how did you get cleansed? And he'd say, there's a guy named Jesus. Let me tell you about him, right? I'm sure it was hard for him not to share the story. Why did Jesus say, don't say anything? Jesus did not come for fame, but he came to fulfill a mission. He wasn't trying to draw large crowds just to draw crowds, but people were flocking to him. But I think it's a reminder that Jesus didn't come to be famous. He came to heal us, to touch us, to enter into our pain. Story number two, when he had come or entered into Capernaum. That was Jesus' adopted hometown. He grew up in Nazareth, but Capernaum became kind of his base of operation. It was known as Jesus' hometown in the New Testament. And it's, uh, I believe, on the northwestern side of the Sea of Galilee. So kind of right in that, that beautiful area in the northern part. And as he entered Capernaum into the city, a centurion came to him. A centurion was uh, a leader, kind of like a sergeant in the Roman army. And he would be, have a hundred soldiers under him, hence the, ter- the term centurion. And he came to him, and the, the idea of entreating him is that he, be, he came begging and asking the Lord for help. It would be weird for uh, the friends of the centurion to, to see him as a Roman uh, official going to what they would consider a Jewish peasant. But the Roman didn't care. 
because he had someone sick at home and he had heard the same stories about Jesus and perhaps even seen some of the healings that Jesus did. Now, centurions would be hated by the Jewish people because at this time in history, Rome occupies Israel as an invading force and the people of Israel hate the Romans. But we learn from Luke's gospel that this particular centurion was a good man. He helped the Jewish people build a synagogue and he seemed to be a kind of a pious guy. And so he came to Jesus unabashedly, unashamedly to get help. Let me just say this in passing. If you're worried about what people think about you and that keeps you from following Jesus, just stop it. Because those people aren't going to stand with you on the day of judgment. Those people are not going to answer for their lives. If your buddies make fun of you because you've decided to follow Jesus, don't worry about it. Because most of your friends when you're young will be gone anyway. I got news for you. But the friends that stay with you, if they're in a small circle, hopefully they'll love you. Whether they're Christians or not, hopefully they'll become Christians. My point is this. Don't worry about what other people think. Follow the Lord. And so he said to the Lord, the centurion, and I'm sure there were probably some smirks and from both sides of the equation. He said, Lord, notice how he addresses him. He calls Jesus Lord. He was supposed to only call Caesar Lord, but he calls Jesus Lord. He'll say it twice. He says, my servant, it could be my young servant. The Greek allows for either. My servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering great pain. If you read some of the other gospels, it says that he sent messengers to Jesus. So there's some differing uh, angles of the story. But Jesus said to the centurion, I will come and heal him. One scholar points out that the original language could be in the form of a question. I'll just lay it out to you in case you come across it. It could be rendered this way. Am I to come and heal him? Now you might say, well, why would someone think that's the language? Well, because it, it can be in the form of a question And Jesus may be saying something would be very well known in that day. Remember when Peter was invited to the house of Cornelius and he says to this Gentile household, also a centurion, you know it's unlawful for me as a Jew to come into your house. There were ritual concerns and stuff like that in crossing these barriers. And so maybe it's Jesus saying something like, you want me to come to your house? I'm a Jew, you're a Gentile, I'm a Jewish rabbi, you're a centurion. It may be that, or it may be more of a statement. Jesus saying, I will come and heal him. I will cross the line or cross over the boundary. You can see that in the Jewish mindset, especially in the pharisaical mind or the religious elite of the day, Jesus touching a leper and a centurion servant is the outcast of, from their opinion, these are the outcasts of society. These are people that you really have nothing to do with. You might even hate them. But the centurion responded and he said, Lord, second time he calls him Lord, I'm not worthy. Notice his humility. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. Now people were watching as Jesus touched the leper. And some might conclude, well, he needs to touch people to heal them. Or maybe he needs to be at least within 10, 15 feet. Or maybe he needs to use oil 
uh, to apply. But the centurion doesn't think any of that's needed. And maybe he's thinking about the practical ramifications of, well, you can't really come under my roof, but whatever it may be, he has great faith. And he just says, Lord, you don't even need to be there. You don't even need to know what he looks like. Just say the word. And oftentimes when I'm praying, that rings in my heart. Just say the word, Lord. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. These are people that you really have nothing to do with. You might even hate them. But the centurion responded and he said, Lord, Second time he calls him Lord, I'm not worthy. Notice his humility. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. Now people were watching as Jesus touched the leper. And some might conclude, well, he needs to touch people to heal them. Or maybe he needs to be at least within 10, 15 feet. Or maybe he needs to use oil Uh, to apply. But the centurion doesn't think any of that's needed. And maybe he's thinking about the practical ramifications of, well, you can't really come under my roof, but whatever it may be, he has great faith. And he just says, Lord, you don't even need to be there. You don't even need to know what he looks like. Just say the word. And oftentimes when I'm praying, that rings in my heart. Just say the word, Lord. Just say the word and healing will occur. Just say the word and you'll change my heart. Just say the word and you'll change my eyes. You'll change this situation. Send your word, amen? The word of God is powerful, living, active. And so the centurion just expresses great faith. And he he draws an analogy to his own experience in the military. He says, I too am a man under authority, verse 9, with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. He understands authority, and he sees authority in Christ. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, what, basically what he's saying is, I just said, Lord, if you'll say the word, my servant will be healed. And I have an illustration from military life. My commander, or I say to one of my soldiers, go, and he goes, come, and he comes, do this, and he does it. And I believe you have authority over disease. I've seen it. I've heard about it. Just say it, and that disease will flee. Just say jump, and it will say how high. Amen? Amen. Now that's faith. And that's a non-Jewish centurion who says, I believe that you have this kind of power. And when Jesus heard this, 10, he marveled. Usually Jesus made people marvel. This is, I think, maybe the only time other than unbelief in his own hometown where Jesus marveled 
And he said to those who were following, truly I say to you, I've not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Can you imagine the apostles were here? What do you mean anyone? I'm greater than you. I'm greater than him. I'm greater than anyone in Israel. You can see some heads drop in the crowd. Jesus on multiple occasions will say to the apostles, even to Peter, oh, you of little faith to the centurion, I've not seen such great faith in anyone among the holy people of God. Wow. Let me pause. Can I ask you, where's your faith today? Would you categorize your faith as great? I know we as believers, we know the verses. All you need to have is the faith of a mustard seed. True. But the Lord does honor great faith. In fact, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you know that? So he wants you to walk by faith, not by sight. Now, you can have great faith, and it doesn't mean that everything's going to happen, but the Lord does still honor faith, and he wants us to be people of faith. And so he honors the centurion. And he says, I say to you, now turning to the crowd that many shall come from east and west, probably Gentile nations here around Israel, and recline at the table. This is the messianic banquet. You can fast forward to the marriage supper of the lamb, if you will. And they will sit with Abraham. Here's the patriarchs of the nation. And Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom, that would be the people of God, Israel, shall be cast out into outer darkness in that place, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, in, if you were a scribe or a Pharisee, and there were some of the religious elite that did follow Jesus, but if you were responsible on the Sanhedrin for getting him crucified, and you rejected him despite the miracles and everything that you knew about him, here's what Jesus said. He said, there's going to be a great reversal on that day. The Jews used to say that outer darkness and gnashing of teeth was reserved for non-Jewish Gentile people and the outcasts. They're the ones that will be in outer darkness, never the people of God. If I got the birth certificate, if I've got the pedigree, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be in paradise. And Jesus says, no, you're not. Unless you repent of your sin, you will not be in the kingdom of God. Yesterday, we had a men's conference and we had a big strapping uncle of Sherman uh, and, and he came down from a place called Winslow, Arizona. Yes, it was in an eagle song. Not such a godly song, but you know, there you go. And so he said that he had been pushing God away and he had become a police chief for some 17 years and he was an athlete, 6'4", big old strapping guy, and he said that he had come to the end of himself and he was on a cruise ship And he went out on the deck at night. He was the only one out there. He looked down at the water and he was ready to jump and commit suicide. And he said these words. He said, if I jump right now, nobody will care. This is what the enemy does to our minds. Nobody will miss me. It'll be over. He said he looked down in the, the darkness of the ocean at night. You know how it can be. And he said the Lord spoke to him at that very moment. And he said, if you jump, Right now, that is your eternity. Look down. Take a good look at that water. See the blackness there? You see the 
the scariness of the water, that's your eternity if you jump right now. Well, he went on to say that he gave his life to the Lord. He's now a pastor today telling other people about the hope of Christ. Amen? Amen. What a beautiful, powerful testimony. Look, you can come to the end of yourself, but it doesn't mean that it's over. Maybe that can be a new beginning for you. Jesus warns that it's not pedigree that gets you into the kingdom. Everybody who believes in Jesus becomes a son of Abraham by faith, right? We know Romans 4, Galatians 3 teach that. So you get grafted into the covenant, if you will, in this case, the new covenant by the blood of Jesus. And so Jesus gives the warning and then he says to the centurion, go your way, let it be done to you as you have believed middle of 13, and the servant was healed that very hour. The ESV says that very moment. You can imagine the joy that happened in that Gentile household. It's it's amazing how the branches of Jesus's touch and word affect so many people. I'm sure they told the story and rejoiced for the rest of their lives. The touch, the power of God. Now, when Jesus had come to Peter's home, Peter had a home in Capernaum. He was in the fishing business with his brother, He saw, Jesus saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. This is the third healing, the leper, the centurion's servant, and now Peter's mother-in-law. Peter was married. That's how you get a mother-in-law, just in case you were wondering about that. You've been listening to The King That Carries Our Burdens, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter eight, verses one through 17. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We'd also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Well, whenever we talk on the subject of healing and we talk about the context of Matthew 8, we are saying that Jesus fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah in his healing ministry of his time. And so this brings up all these questions about, does the Lord still heal? And when does he heal? And why do some get healed and others not? Some of you are in ongoing chronic pain. Some of you have lost a loved one to cancer and you prayed hard. And you know, these are hard questions. And there are incredible miracle accounts and some of you are miracle stories. And maybe we didn't We don't realize how many times the Lord healed us when we didn't even know. I mean, let's face it, our human bodies are pretty frail, and there's a lot that can go wrong with all the systems that are operating right now as I speak to you. And yet, there's some very real hurt and very real issues when we're in pain. I will tell you this, uh, I have knee pain. It's I'm not whining, but I have pretty chronic knee pain, and it's not fun, and I'm sure there's others worse than me. But as we age or as we go through this life, and some of you are younger and you have chronic pain, and maybe you're dealing with a sickness right now that is really hitting you hard. 
you know, being in the pastorate, I can tell you, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, that we get a lot of prayer requests on a lot of phone calls with people in crisis. And and it can be hard. And, and the whole point of this passage is to say it's bigger than all of us. But Jesus Christ came to bear our burdens. And one day we have to all realize we're going to die. We are headed for a graveyard unless Jesus comes in our lifetime. And the biggest healing of all is the healing of our soul. In First Peter 2, when Peter quotes the same passage, he talks about how Jesus really came to heal our souls. Yes, physical healing is a great blessing, and we all want our health. But in the end, the healing of the soul is the most significant thing of all, because that's what will last throughout eternity. This is Pastor Michael Lance. You're listening to Walk in Truth. We're so grateful that you're walking with us. Hey, if you're brand new to the broadcast and you want to find out more about us, you can find out all you'd like to know about the ministry, how to pray, how to partner, walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. So glad you're listening. Hey, share with a friend. You can also connect with us via podcast on all the major platforms. You can share these messages if you think this would help out a friend of yours walkintruth.com or look for us on all the major podcasting apps and share what you're hearing. God bless you. We'll see you right here tomorrow. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. You gotta check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 17, called The King That Carries Our Burdens. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.